0: yours no your mother head she found it in your closet i don't know one of the guys must, look. must have what look daddy where not... did you get it Dad, answer I... me who taught you how to do this stuff do you all right
1: I just clicked record yep. and okay. Yeah. So I see the little line bouncing. So I usually do Skype uh, because I like to see somebody that I'm talking to, but um, uh-huh. it's it's just not doing what I want it to do because I'm using like, I'm on the cheap on the, on the, like this whole professional operation I got going like um, I'm using like a garage band, which comes on the Mac to do like the edit, editing and stuff. And I was using <laughs> Skype cause it's free. But yeah. I'm finally, I'm finally throwing some cold hard cash at this operation, and I'm uh, going with <clears> Zencaster, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that a shot. But hey, you know what?
2: Yeah, it sounds yeah. like a plug for Zencaster.
1: Yeah, yeah could be. <laughs> but um, well, I just want to point out that we did it. You, uh, yeah. would, would last time we talked, we said, let's not talk again for eight years, uh, when the world's <laughs> falling apart. And then we'll get back together. You'll probably have a podcast that two people listen to. Shout out to Chris and David. Um, and, well,
2: we forgot about your mom.
1: Oh, yeah. Mom's nope. an avid listener. No, my, my parents are pretty, they're more technologically challenged than me, believe it or not. So uh, what, what's, what, what have you been doing for eight years, buddy?
2: It's been eight years. 2012, yep. I guess, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, so you still, uh,
1: about... still eight feet tall?
2: That's <laughs> right. I'm actually skinnier than um, probably when we met. No, eight years, man. Wow. Yeah, it's been, yeah, yeah. it really, so it really
1: I, has been that long.
2: That's crazy. I remember you and Kyle were always talking. You know, y'all were flight instructors, and you are always just telling these crazy stories about how you almost died that day because of a student.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, they really are just trying to kill you all the time.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I moved out of Colorado. Um, so when we met, uh, I, was, I, I was like one in in one of the most difficult parts of my life, right? I, I got divorced. I moved. I started a new job and I was buying a house and my best friend was dying, right? And so I like, it, it's funny when I look back at these people, they... How much they were, you know, a part of my life and helping me cope through my problems, whether I talked about them or not. And so when I think about eight years, you know, that situation that was coming to an end eight years ago, and now my life is just completely different. And this has a lot to do with just toughing it out and, uh, you know, following my career and, and really investing in in myself and in my career and my self-development and being a voracious learner about self-improvement and leadership and everything else. And it's, it's just a very, I was thinking, I was like, I'm a very different person. I'm still the same guy, but I'm a very different person. I am still the same guy but i am a very different person that makes no oh,
1: sense. Oh God. No, I, I, I feel that. And I think I knew some of that. I don't think I knew all that. You might've told me, but I was, a, a, You're probably I, was drunk. A, just, I was a real shit bag uh, back then. <laughs> yeah. If I'm <laughs> be sister, I was not a good person. Just shout out to anybody I was shitty to. I am so sorry. I I am. I'm still trying. Um, yeah. Down to, hey, I hear. have actually a, I've actually reached a...
2: back and and apologized to people like for oh, got such yeah. a shit a shit bag. Like, hey, I'm no, really I sorry. Have to. I have yeah.
1: to. I've had to do that to a few people in my life too. Hey, I hear a squeaking going on uh, in the background. You got like a swing or something going on back there?
2: So have you ever been to Puerto Rico? Uh,
1: no, no.
2: Okay. So, it's a frog. It's called a coquí.
1: It's a it's, frog.
2: It's a frog. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was I forgot I, to warn you about this. As soon as uh, no, no, It, it got it, dark. It, it, I was it, like, "Huh, I forgot to tell him there's going to be coquís in the background the entire time."
1: No, that uh, that adds a sense of mystery to it. This is an exotic podcast.
2: It, it is. Streaming from Puerto Rico. Um, no, there, there's a bunch of different species of coqui's, but the one you're hearing now is called a common coqui, and it makes a sound of which co-key? Um, so, so help me understand,
1: yeah, help me understand what you do. So you, you talked about um, pushing through and getting 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 on with your career, having to go through all that stuff. What where did you land? What, what are you doing down there?
2: Yeah, so I don't want to get too too much specifics. Um,
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I I should have briefed you on that. I I won't talk about specifics of um, anything you don't want to. Like, I don't mention company names that people work for. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I I, I do broad strokes because I know there's social media policies pretty much anywhere you work, and I don't want anybody. This is a fun thing, right? We're not trying to make waves or anything. No,
2: no. So what do I do? Um, So I I work for the federal government, and I, I manage a piece of land, and- I account it to being a mayor and a city manager and a biologist and a park ranger and an engineer, you know, all combined into one thing. So there's a public lands across the United States, you think of like Yellowstone and Sure Yosemite and there's different agencies that manage those lands. And it's it's a fun job because you're you're managing a waterfall, you're managing traffic, you're you're reconstructing from disasters you're doing community work uh, The better your communities are doing around you the better you're going you know you're going to thrive so sure. um, Initially when I started my career when we met I was more into wildlife management and research and science. I'm actually transitioning now um, into more socioeconomic development uh, just because I, I realized that one of the biggest threats to conservation is poverty. And if we can try to combat poverty, then we'll do a better job of conserving uh, overall. You know, just to, to, to boil it down to the simplest form. So I'm trying to work on conservation through addressing poverty and, and helping people with their livelihoods.
1: Fantastic. That's, 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 that's really great. That's something that I had to learn. I didn't understand that most of the problems that i perceived as racial again when i was just a bad person back in my my earlier days i grew up in the bible belt uh, if, if you didn't know i grew up in like middle tennessee in the bible belt just conservative as can be like the most racist place you could grow up right that's just yeah. the black that's just the black point of it and i, I don't pull <laughs> any punches when i say i was a product of my environment right so there was a sure. lot that i had to unlearn um, after i got out of that environment and got out of my friend groups and moved around and one of the things that i had to unlearn was the things that i perceive as racial problems are in fact poverty problems um, i i owe a lot of that to my wife uh, who had to like be, beat a lot of things into me <laughs> that, that like that helped make me understand these things but that's that's what it is if you if you fix poverty you fix so many problems but you know, you know you're you're down there but i'm sure you know the, the the fight we're having to fight up here right now that it just it's just this reoccurring battle of racial inequality and uh, the shooting of unarmed people by police and all this stuff that we're going through right now. Are you seeing um, any sorts of similar uh, blowback or demonstrations down uh, in that part?
2: No, so um, if your listeners haven't picked up on it, I'm African American. <laughs> and-
1: what? What? This
2: is Zach's black and um, I got one. <laughs> uh, I take, actually moved take here. Take that, to, Tennessee. <laughs> I actually moved here to to get away from that shit, man. Um, really? Yeah, I, I got tired of the just the type of treatment I would get. You know, I would walk down a road and people would cross the other side. People would not get on an elevator with me when they saw me there. Um, and for the people that don't know, I'm, I'm scary looking insofar as like I'm 6'3", former college football player, you know, so a pretty stout person. So I, I get, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a size factor in there, but I just got tired of it. I got tired of being scared when I got pulled over for, you know, I call them DWBs, Driving While Black.
1: Yeah, I, and I I have friends that tell me tell me this, those stories. Yeah. It's true, you know. And it's like it is, and it's like it is people so true.
2: People don't want to initially weren't believing me, and then now everybody's like, "Oh my god, this is a problem." I'm like, "Yeah, I've been telling this for ten years. Thanks for finally listening." You know, I'm happy that you're listening now. <laughs> at least now um, we're on board, right? Yeah, exactly. At least, at least now we're talking about it, and hey, I,
1: that was part of the problem.
2: Yeah, and, and so the first week here, I get pulled over for a reason i had my phone in my hand and here it's supposed to be hands-free mm-hmm. and the p- policeman pulled me over and for the first time in my life i was not fearful of my life when you know a cop was pulling me over and sure. i was like oh my god this is what it feels like to be white you know this is how you feel <laughs> you, you navigate a space and you're not in fear or uh-huh, yeah you're not constantly worrying about having to make people comfortable and i would have to tone down myself in order to make people comfortable in a corporate environment. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's it's one of the reasons I moved here, also to be around family. Um, my, my wife is from here, and it's, as you're aware, uh, having parents nearby is very helpful in raising a little kid. Um,
1: yeah, just uh, just got mine down by me. Um, wait. We don't we don't foist our our baby on them too often. Like only if we need to like run out and go to the store or something like that. But yeah, it's it helps. It really does. It's a it's a challenge. I feel kind of guilty taking them away from my uh, my sisters, who are still up in Tennessee. But it's just the way that things had to shake out, you know. But yeah.
2: um, I'm curious. You know what? It, you you know you said you've changed and you've evolved and you realize are about poverty problems and which raises a bunch of other set of questions like why are people poor you know and we should probably (laughs) even talk about redlining um yeah (laughs) yeah. there's like this systemic hundreds of years of these things and for some reason when we have these conversations people don't want to talk about it they're like oh no slavery's over you know Barack Obama's president there's no racism and you're like okay so either the narrative is that there's a group of people that have culture problems and they're lazy and that explains their situation. Or maybe it's something a little more complex than that. So, um,
1: I, and man. from what I've learned, you, you, you are more in tune with this. So I'm going to bounce it off you. You tell me where I'm at. So poverty-stricken areas, lower-income areas, are typically areas that are inhabited by people of color. My surmation, or what what I surmise is, that is a product of the restriction of wealth to people of color through means like uh, redlining and the valuation of property, for example, if it's been inhabited by a black person, it is therefore valued less. Or if it's in a black neighborhood, it's therefore valued less. So people of color haven't even had a chance to acquire wealth. And that's from the start of the country, right? This isn't, that didn't come around in the 60s, right? That, that's from the very beginning. And then you had restriction of representation in certain areas through voter suppression every election cycle we see the headlines voter suppression voter suppression tactics and it's only coming for one side i'm sorry it's true so that's kind of where i'm at when i take a look at it and i try to come up with my own idea of why we're at where we are and people see areas of lower income people of color oh they're lazy um they don't have anything because they don't work how am i doing Am I close? No, no, you're you're
2: you're on the right direction, man. It it so there's little subtle things. Look, in America, we typically we and I say middle class, we build wealth through land, home ownership or land ownership, right? Yes. Initially, it was land ownership, and then it's turned to home ownership. And if you weren't even allowed to own a home, <laughs> you know, yeah. for the first few hundred years. And then you were allowed to, but yet you talked about redlining. Um, That that has an effect. And then the second thing is people climb the social ladder through education, right? So imagine if you weren't allowed to attend colleges and you had to create your own, um, and those colleges were segregated. Mm -hmm. And imagine if you went and fought a war, and there's this thing called a GI Bill, which helped a lot of veterans, Um, get their college education, become engineers and become in business. But the GI Bill wasn't applicable to African-Americans. You know, there's just just a bunch of those things that over time have a compounding effect. Um, And and let's be honest, like, there's there's shitheads in every culture. It's not just, you know, there there are people that are flat out trying to live off a system. But that's like such a small percentage. And that's, you know, you can go to Appalachia and see that. You can go to, um, I mean, think about our farming our, our farm bill and what level of you know we pay people to grow crops in a desert and then they fail we insure them you know like there's something fundamentally wrong with that right but in yeah, that there's, person's there's head they're like issues, yeah. i'm 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 working from i'm working hard for my money yeah you are but it you know it, uh, i define politics as this scarce uh, allocation of scarce resources yeah and that, those are the conversations we had yeah. Doing good though, man.
1: I, I was going to I had something I was going to bounce off you too, but I can't even remember what it was. See, this is what editing's for. I can sit exactly here for 15 minutes and I cannot and say anything. But uh <laughs> I, I I get a lot of the same uh, rhetoric from people in my life system whether it be like work or personal life. Um one of my favorite ones is well, slavery's over. So why can't you just get it together? And I had to quit having conversations with people <laughs> because I can't. Sorry. Don't <laughs> die. Don't, don't die. I need you. I need you. <clears throat> I, can't, I, can't, I can't do it by myself. Sorry. Go ahead. You're saying, you saying you had conversations I, I, with people. I had to quit having those conversations because you're not going to change anybody's mind. I don't feel that you are. If you're just having like a direct conversation with someone who is just so entrenched in those beliefs. I, I just got fed up with trying. It's it's not even a debate with people like that. I, I got I got into a conversation with a guy recently over healthcare. You know, we have how many deaths per year because of our healthcare system, and basically the way you survive a major medical event in the United States is a GoFundMe from strangers. And his his response was, "Well, our our, our healthcare system is good enough. That's good enough to you. That's that's your good enough." Like, it's, it's people who are so entrenched in their views are just. I don't know. I, I'm glad that we have these conversations, but I'm not hopeful that you're going to change anybody's mind. I like to think that with every generation that dies, it gets a little bit better. That's yeah. what I tell myself, you know, like when our parents' generation's gone and even after we're gone, who knows what the landscape is going to look like socially. Oh and my gosh. It's already yeah. so radically different in our lifetime. Right. So who, who the hell knows how far it's going to go. But
2: So the the science behind what you said is actually true, um, where you actually make it worse when you're trying to convince somebody, you know, if they feel attacked. So what happens is you have these conversations and instantly people feel attacked and their amygdala fires up, which is that reptilian part of your brain and fight or flight, right? Either you avoid it or you, you you know, people start fighting, I say that in air quotes, Um, and Time and time again, it shows that it doesn't work to try to convince somebody's mind. So I've actually been engaging in these conversations on, on Facebook with people through Messenger instead of having a back and forth in the comment section. Yeah. And what I really try to do is really understand their core values and where they're coming from and what they're, what, why they're saying what they're saying. And all I try to do is um, I call them Jedi mind tricks, you know, just <laughs> ask the right question. A a, a well placed open ended question that is like Inception, where you plant an idea in their head that maybe they may, they they're wrong, and then they have to come to that conclusion, um, themselves Boy, in order for them to change their mind. But you're not gonna do it for them.
1: That sounds hard. That sounds really and, and, hard.
2: I miss mean, what this what this this, a psychiatrist psychologist. That's what they do. They literally just listen to you. They pick up on key things and then they ask you the right questions and to help you see what they're seeing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. hard. It takes yeah. a lot of practice. I fail way more times than I succeed. I believe that. But, but I mean, I got, I'll send you screenshots, you know, stuff. People said, you know, you really opened my heart and um, helped me see things differently. and And it's, obvious because you see these logical inconsistencies and and not to get political because whatever um, but the whole oh, Colin Kaepernick you thing you know Colin Kaepernick he peacefully protested and kneeled uh, first he sat and then a veteran told him you should kneel and he kneeled and P- and he was saying this isn't about the troops this is about racial injustice and people lost their shit You're disrespecting the flag. You're disrespecting the troops. Okay. Now, just recently, it came from the top officials in the military, and it has been corroborated by even Fox News, that President Trump called dead soldiers, suckers, and losers. That is disrespecting our troops. But yet, those same people are not outraged at that. Uh, I know. I know. So, he's like, where where is your logic in... You know, you you completely now dispelled. You know, it's not about the troops. You're just mad that he's making you uncomfortable by kneeling.
1: Yeah, and, that's that's really and, what and now, it, that's what it is, isn't it? You made me you made me a little uncomfy. So now, so now right. I don't li- so now I don't like it.
2: Well, and so now people are burning buildings, which are a lot of Antifa, and you know not really Black Lives Matter per se. But, uh, there, there's some there's some bad actors in every group but in general it's this other subgroup that's hijacking the moment and there's yeah. well, why can't they protest peacefully well when the guy did you <laughs> 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 what, what are you supposed to do you know because people were yeah. protesting peacefully now yeah. they're not
1: yeah, don't don't kneel don't kneel during my sporting event because it makes me uncomfortable. Don't block traffic on the way to work because it makes me late for work. Just protest on a Saturday when it's nice out in your own yard, you know. Don't don't yeah. don't put it where I'm I to see it because I don't I don't want I don't want the change, but I support you. But I don't want the change, right? It's 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 frustrating. It really is. I. I
2: what are I they protecting me? though? So, to me, the question is, what are you protecting, right? Because when you get uncomfortable your 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 uh what's the word? So you grow when you're uncomfortable, right? You shut down when you panic. But what are people protecting? Right? What story are they telling themselves? And I, I think one of the stories that a lot of people bought into is that I worked hard and I earned everything I had and Ergo, you know, if you don't have what I have, that means because you didn't work hard as me. And it may be true in some cases but it's a much more complex thing to say wait a minute i worked hard and maybe i had some advantages maybe you know that person's dad didn't get the gi bill and he couldn't afford to send them to the private school and maybe he's worked twice as hard as i have and has less that's an unfair world and what should, you know then it comes on you like what do i do about it and that's what is the uncomfortable part is now what? Like, what do I do with this information? How do I, do I ignore it? You know, how do I, do I make it a blind thing? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons, not the only.
1: There's another, another popular thing I I often hear in my, in my world of interaction is uh, the white privilege issue. And this isn't mine, but I, I've borrowed it from whoever, wherever I saw this. I don't even remember, but here's a good litmus test. Um, if you want to find out if you have privilege. Has the Supreme Court ever had to rule that you have the same rights as another group of people in this country? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a pretty good one. And I feel that if
2: (laughs) the answer is no,
1: maybe look inward. I don't know. Maybe just a a little bit.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So that one just kills me, right? So we all acknowledge privilege right so a person born Warren Buffett I don't know if he has kids but they're privileged right um we're privileged to be in the United States like compared to somebody in a country that you know has a civil war right you're privileged and to me a privilege is something that you were born into you didn't choose and and there's no shame in having privilege I'm not shamed that I was born in born American citizen. There's no shame in that. But I do acknowledge, like, my life's a little easier than somebody in Somalia right now. Um, So most people can understand that concept and agree to it. But then I don't understand why. Why is it such a hard mental thing for people to process when it comes to sex or race, you know?
1: I think uh, it's a dominance thing. I think it's a control thing. I think that... When you're on the team that's been in the lead for so long, that you see that control slipping away, you see things that make you uncomfortable that you're not used to that don't fit your narrative that you've grown up to believe. Does that make sense? So, like, yeah. we are we are a rapidly browning country. Whether you you like it or not, in our <laughs> lifetime, it's we hard. are going to we are going to see uh, the white European Caucasian. As the greater minority in the United States, I can't wait. I married a brown person. I'm part of the problem, right? So, <laughs> take, really, really sticking it to my upbringing. But yeah, I don't know, man.
2: I mean, so it, think about I think about it this way: in the NBA, you're privileged if you're tall. How many short people play in the NBA? To use the example, well there was Muggsy Bogues, so it's possible. I'm like, in the history, how many five three players have there been in the NBA?
1: I was you know, struggling you... to figure out his name. I know nothing about basketball, but I was like, fuck, I know there's one. I know there's one. <laughs>
2: Muggsy Bogues. But
1: that's it. There, there's always like Spud Well. It's the it's the yeah but the yeah but yeah but this, yeah, yeah but that, you know. Well, it's an not, outlier. Yeah, it, it's it's anecdotal, stop, you know.
2: Well, that's the thing a lot of people don't understand. Statistics, right? And, and general, you know, generalizations and trends and outliers to uh, the rule or the, the general, the, the averages. And they'll always say, Well, my one friend, or what about so and so? I'm like, Yeah, no, no, they, they were able to defeat the odds. But the whole point of having a fair America means that we all have the same odds and equality to achieve something. Sure, And I think that's what we need to strive for. And, and to me, it's like, why would you oppose everybody having the same opportunity, equal opportunity? And I get it. Like, I myself am making decisions to get my daughter an advantage. I am putting her in the best acre I can afford. Um that's going to give her an advantage. And and so here I am thinking about, well, how am I contributing to the problem when I'm, you know, leveraging my privilege of my income to raise my daughter? It, yeah. You know, how do I balance that? And then that's something I'm, I, I struggle with as a, a, as a person. I want the best for my daughter. The whole point of me working my butt off was to give her a better life than I I had. And, but now I'm giving her advantages. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean, something about. I don't know
1: what that means. I my wife told me, as coming from someone from the brown community, this is her talking. Like, if you have privilege and you don't use it, that's insulting. Like, she was talking to me. Like, if if you get pulled over and you don't act friendly to the cop, you know, because you know you're gonna be okay to get yourself out of something, that's insulting to me. (laughs) It's like (laughs) you you have that option. Like, why are you? why, Why would you not use that? You know what I mean? But I think I think it's what you do with it. You know, yeah. if you if you have the conversations, you know, at least you're giving back and of course you want the best for your daughter. I want the best for my daughter. Right. But I don't know. I, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not no, like no, volu- I'm not like volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club. You know, I'm not like active in my community and I probably should be in some way, in some form that I'm comfortable with i don't like being out around people when there's not a pandemic you know so i don't i don't know what that looks like maybe it's like giving money on a regular basis or something like that to a charity who helps out locally but i think it's
2: financial literacy man you know
1: yeah just merely teaching
2: people what you know
1: working on that you know
2: so for example i was not financially literate until i played college football i actually played football with um one of the Hooters' uh, son, one of the founders of Hooters, and mm-hmm. another guy, Coach Carson. He's a really good fire person, Chad Carson. I know Coach. Um, yeah, yeah. So I played with his brother, and Did you? I learned a, yeah. His brother has younger brother, and I learned so much from his brother because he was learning it from Chad. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I had access to information about finances my entire life. I mean, I learned about compound interest in high school, but that was it. Like, so just in and of itself, that information was a privilege. And had I learned it earlier, right? Who knows what decisions I would have made? It, it was a lot harder to do trading. You know, there were no apps in two thousand where you can download your phone and you had to like go through a broker and pay all these fees. But who knows what financial decisions I would have made differently had I had access to that information a little earlier? So just simple things like that. People don't realize that like, that's a privilege having access to financial information. And somebody just said, Oh, you could have picked up a book and you know, you could've you could have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like yeah, somebody gotta tell you about the book. And, and yeah. you know, now <laughs> it, it, and now it's so much information out there, it's hard to decipher what, you know. So I didn't figure you know.
1: it out, you know, till my late twenties. Nobody told me I, I knew the basics, you know, growing up. I knew what not to do because there's there's still mistakes that um, I've made and that other people have made that I'm paying for to this day you know so yeah. I got a pretty good handle of what not to do but I've been learning um, what to do and there's a there's a wealth of information out there these days through podcasts through books I'm always recommending books to people um, there's somebody that um, well how do I phrase this because I don't want this person ask me not to you know, make anything public, but there's somebody in my life system, I'll put it that way, who came into a large amount of money. Millions, right? Mm-hmm. And this person had no idea what to do with it. And she, well, there you go, she asked me. Um, and the best advice I could give her time was, out. Does she have a husband?
2: Is she looking for one? <laughs> <laughs>
1: But then yeah. jump, jump. <laughs> she um so she asked me, the best advice I could give her was, um, you ever read J. L. Collins' um Simple Path to Wealth?
2: No, I haven't.
1: I, I recommend that one. If you're looking for like st- the very simplest, most effective uh form of stock market investing, J. L. Collins Simple Path to Wealth. I basically recommended um what he does. Um, in his, or uh, what he says to do in his book. And basically, what that comes down to is you're buying one thing. It's the total stock market index. Mm-hmm. He, he recommends Vanguard VTSAX total VTS, stock market yeah. index. Right. Yeah. So you buy that consistently and forever. And the science behind it is if you do like a hundred year look back to whenever, right, the, our, the stock market, the total stock market in the United States is biased for growth that's just the history of it 6 to 10% whatever you know whoever whatever magazine you're reading is going to be your average returns right that's just the numbers so if we if we accept that to be true the most effective thing for you to do is buy the whole stock market don't try to pick stocks because you're not going to beat the market most likely very few people in the world can do that and if somebody tells you they can do that they're probably lying to you don't try to Day trade, the average person is just going to lose money day trading. Um, just do the simplest thing, which is buy the total stock market index, do it consistently and reliably, and you'll be fine. This is even Warren Buffett's advice. Warren Buffett yeah. is arguably the best at what he does, right? He's he, j- he just has that gift. He can afford the best estate attorneys in the world. But his advice on his death for his wife was put everything in a low-cost, total stock market index such as VTSAX and if it's good enough for Warren I guarantee it's good enough for anybody who would happen to stumble across this podcast.
2: (laughs) I actually got an argument with somebody last week about this on a group chat and they were talking about day trading and I pretty much just paired to the same exact thing you said. I said you know 95 to 99% of people don't beat the market on a consistent basis and Um, You're just better off putting it in a low, low low-cost index fund. And yeah, you may not, you know, make, you'll you'll lose some years if you had you gone with that one guy, but it's when they lose, they lose big. And over time, you're going to win. And they were just countering me, you you have fun with your little index funds. And I finally said, how about you post your earnings, right, over the last five years, and let's compare it to the S&P, just crickets. And it was just, it's just hard. And, and, and think about it. These The people that beat it are these people with these supercomputers that got their PhD in math from MIT, right? Why do you think you read a book and some guy's blog that you can now beat the market? Like,
1: <laughs> don't, I don't, I don't be get
2: I'm
1: not against options trading or day trading or whatever, if that's your sandbox money. But with your retirement or your wealth building tool. Uh uh. Don't don't. Start so what in,
2: you know what I do? I actually have a stash account that I put money in. Mm-hmm. A little bit of money, you know, maybe a couple hundred bucks a month. Just to see if just to prove to myself I can't beat it. And I'm actually doing better now than the sure. market, but that's because so this is another um most people we're tall on our age, they've been trading for how long? since 2010 well guess what the market's been doing since 2010 it's very easy to yeah it's been a rocket Every, everybody's a genius right yeah wait wait until this recession hits and then let's see how good your timing is getting out and getting back in yep. um, then then it's that's gone. when you, the, the, yeah, it's, it's on a, it's on a verge i mean we're getting there we're actually in one technically um stock market's not showing it but which is weird um
1: yeah i can't i can't figure no one can figure that one out
2: well, it's speculation, right? It, it stick, it th- I think they're banking on the stimulus. There's—I read an article about why, but um, I'm doing better because I bought the Facebook IPO when mm-hmm. it was forty bucks, and then it went down to twenty, and I doubled down. <laughs> really? And then Tesla, yeah. So I bought like Tesla and Facebook stock. I got a Tesla um, Power Wall for my house in Puerto Rico too. So, like, I believed in the product, and I saw how cool it was and, like, how integrated it was and just how much better it was than the competitors. So, like, I bought some Tesla stock a few months ago. But that's the only reason. Yeah. Elon can say something stupid, and I can lose it. You know, I can be down with one Elon statement.
1: Yeah, sure, because you can go on Joe Rogan's podcast, Smoke weed, and everybody loses their damn mind, right? (laughs) Yeah. I like. I, I like Tesla. Elon, he says some shit like this, uh, the stuff about the coronavirus, you know, he, he had his views. I didn't agree with him, whatever, but on the whole, I, I the product a lot. Like I, I hated the Cybertruck until I looked at it again and I was like, maybe <laughs> you bought one. No, 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 no. I oh. haven't. No. Um, my dad, uh, when he moved down, he brought his truck with him. So I don't have to buy a truck now, which is nice. Um, Oh
2: my God. I used to be that friend with the truck. Yeah. Every weekend. I mean, you know, I'm a big dude with a truck. That's like the worst combination. Like, "Hey, can you help me move this refrigerator?" Yeah. And it got to a point where I was like, "Here's my keys. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> I'm not going to help you though." Yeah, well, it, I got a I got a back. That's bad and sucks.
1: Yeah, I I know the back pain problem too. But yeah, I don't I don't have to buy a truck now, which is nice. And he brought his uh brought his uh, smoker down with him, so I don't have to buy a smoker. So I'm I'm back in the smoking game. Your boy's back. Uh, you never knew me when I was in it, but when I was in it, man. Now I'm, now I'm back in it. Oh
2: man, my Traeger arrives the seventeenth of this ah, month. I can't one wait. One of
1: the Traeger guys, huh?
2: Yeah, that's you the know, popular the, one. The off-brand one from Cabela's, but whatever, you know.
1: The Pit Boss is it a Pit Boss or is it a
2: what is it? Whatever the I can't remember whatever the knockoff is, but
1: this is Cabela's
2: a, or Bass Pro makes good stuff. Um, sometimes, like the knockoff Yeti cooler for Cabela's, is just as good as Yeti. It's actually better.
1: No, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. The one yeah. that my dad no, brought yeah. down. is just a. It's just a big grill with a smoker box on the side, right? But um, pretty much, yeah. It's fucking, it works. It works great. It holds heat really well. And the ribs we made were just—they were bomb.
2: Can't. I can't so, wait. I
1: love smoking. Gonna, gonna do some pulled pork tomorrow. That's what's on. That's what's on uh, my agenda. Oh, that takes so long. Uh, eight hours. Is what we do.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, what do you, how, do, how, how do you do yours? I try to do as low and slow as possible. Um, so I, I can't remember. I just remember one time I had a propane smoker and it ran out of propane. And I didn't realize it until like two in the morning <laughs> and mm-hmm. it wasn't done. I had to run into the gas. It was just a long night. Um <laughs> but it was it was more than eight hours you know it was, it was a long process because i had yeah. to get the thing back up and uh no nah, but I, I just i enjoy smoking the just the process the taste of it it freezes really well i'm really big a you know prep um where i just try to cook in bulk and then freeze it just yeah. to save myself time i was trying to figure out these life hacks for time like how can i give myself more time to a <laughs> yeah. day yeah Um, especially with the little one now
1: yeah that's uh that throws a wrench in things back in um back in the day probably not too long ago my dad had a little barbecue business like a big trailer right and Mm -hmm. uh we would we would smoke and sell it right out of the yard in uh Nashville (laughs) I'm not kidding put up signs put up signs on Thursday um cook Friday sell Saturday type of thing right people knew oh yeah well he he sold the shit out of it he sold a lot You know, he had had a big, big trailer, like a big uh, rotisserie uh, smoker with a firebox on the back. It had like six racks that rotate on like a little two horsepower motor type thing. And he had he had another big one that was a propane that he just uses like a warmer. Right. So he had like a nice little operation. But um, we would do everything. And this is why I don't understand the low and slow, how people get like really complicated with it. We would do everything at three hundred. We would use the same rub on the ribs as the pulled pork, and everything's done at 300. And it's the best you've ever had. I know everybody, mine are the best. No, we sold the shit out of these things, man. (laughs) And the ribs, two hours of smoke, wrap it up two hours at 300, four hours, done. The pulled pork, four hours of smoke, wrap it four hours at 300, pull it, you're done. It was that simple. You talk, you talk to people who do like, well, you want to do two twenty five for eight hours for ribs. And I'm just like, you are just wasting time, bud. <laughs>
2: yeah. There, there's a law of, um, diminishing returns, man. You know, like there, there comes a point where you're like, this is just following some guy's blog recipe, but
1: I get it. Yeah. It's, it's I, fun. I get, I get it's it. an art, whatever. I feel that it's, I, I crave simplicity in everything I do. And it is just way too complicated. To I just bought an
2: Instapot. Do super yeah we got one of those it. yeah 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 i kind of had ribs and collard greens from the Instapot pot when i was yeah. in colorado getting my stuff and i was like oh my gosh this is amazing i don't have to cook greens for four hours or eight hours anymore i can just knock them out in 20
1: yeah those things are neat there's your there's your equalizer right there the one thing we can all agree on is barbecue
2: barbecue yeah like if you don't like barbecue then you're just a shooty person yeah what I'm are sorry. the true
1: what are the troops even fighting for
2: exactly <laughs> my wife doesn't eat bacon i was almost a deal breaker i was just like you know what i don't know if this is gonna work yeah i don't um, know if i'm gonna risk half my shit on you
1: <laughs> yeah if you can't if you don't like
2: bacon what, what are we gonna agree about and it was funny she didn't take my last name because you know puerto rico you, you keep your you have two last names, which like confuses everybody in the States. Like, is it hyphened? Like, no, it's not. You just have two last names. That's what we um, did. Yeah. Well, no, my, 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 Oh, your daughter has both of your last names. No, uh, my wife. She took your last name.
1: Yeah. She did. Uh, she did the hyphen thing.
2: Uh, we didn't hyphen. We, she just kept her last two last names, you know, uh, from her mom and her former dad.
1: Oh, Oh, I see. Okay.
2: Yeah, they they don't change their names at all. Um, I was like, "This is a deal breaker," and I'm just joking. I, I really don't care. Like this is kind of, it's a kind of weird antiquated thing, right? Yeah. Like that came from when a man was literally possessing a woman, and they took your last name. Like, do we really need to do that in 2020? And I know some people are like, blah, 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 blah. "Tradition," you know. I'm like, this is one of those questions I ask myself. Like, how important is that really? Uh, I don't know. Maybe for some people, maybe for people who want to withhold a tradition, great for them, but I just, I ask myself, is that even necessary?
1: No, we didn't feel it was necessary. We didn't do any family names. Like Our, our daughter's name, she got it from a J.D. Salinger novel, and her middle name, one of her middle names is our favorite Golden Girl. Um, <laughs> Her other middle name just sounded good. <laughs> It just like had a nice ring to it. Like we did nothing like familial cause we didn't want the fight. We didn't want the stress of having to do that.
2: So we, well, my daughter came early and we didn't have a name picked out. <laughs> Neither that did I funny. when I was born. Yeah. We, we, we decided on it, you know, a little after the fact, but, uh, yeah, we had a moment. Where we're like, ah, we wish we'd have done this instead. You know, like it was pretty funny. I'm like, I'm not going through vital records to change that. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> her name's sticking. Yeah. Well,
1: here, here's the kind of people we are. Uh, we were we were planning on having a kid. Anyway, we weren't married, right? And I'm not kidding. Uh-huh. One day, I, it doesn't matter what day it was. We said to each other, "You know what? We're considering having a kid." we should probably just go ahead and get married. And she's like, what do you think? And I was like, sure. So the next day, I'm not kidding. The next day we went to the courthouse and just did the thing. And there's like a cooling off period in uh, in Florida. I don't know if it's everywhere, if you just do what we did. So we went to the courthouse, did did the thing, um, held up your hand and you have to say some dumb stuff and you have to sign a bunch of papers, right? But you wait, like, I think it was two or three days. And then... You go get it notarized and it's official, right? And that mm-hmm. happened on uh, December 31st, I think was the day we got it notarized at a UPS store. And I got out of the whole thing for 120 bucks. Uh, <laughs> so Man. if you're thinking about getting married, you don't have to spend a lot of money, is what I'm getting at.
2: good thing about being divorced is you actually get to say, you know what, if I had to get married again, I would do it this way. And one of the good things about being divorced um and so my second one we did something very similar long story short we're both federal employees and but in order for her to get benefits when i move and get a new job she we have to be married by state law so we literally got married by my executive assistant in her cubicle uh for the colorado marriage uh state marriage and then um or common law marriage. We got common law marriage first, and then we did the state marriage. But like you, we, we got married officially January, but we signed it on December 31st for tax purposes. Yeah. And in a very similar conversation, we we're like, hey, you know, if I die and we're not married, you don't get my 50% of my salary benefit, my death benefit. Uh, so if we if I die she gets a death benefit of my current salary and vice versa like mm, I should probably protect you you know we should probably protect each other with that and so that's like the main reason we decided to get married or triggered trigger that financial decision and it's weird you know it was we got out of our minds this whole what you're sold on tv about marriage and really got into we're in a life partnership and I was like I'm with you for my life regardless I don't Plan on going anywhere, but the way the society is set up, it benefits people who sign a contract.
1: That's true. Getting but married, you can get out your, of a contract. Yeah, getting married by your executive assistant for benefits purposes. It's like it's a romantic. fairy tale. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, we had
2: a wedding because her mother had terminal cancer, and we want, you know, we, uh, we push things okay. forward a little bit. Uh, so um, you, you, you actually as, did do
1: the whole thing, yeah.
2: We did the whole thing, yeah, probably for, like, two grand in Puerto Rico. On a, it was amazing. I mean, the way we got away for two grand was, was nuts. But we pretty much, what I said is I can get married again. I want to get all my good friends together, and we're going to go on a vacation. Yeah, and we just yeah. happened to get married one day. So we had, like, a three- or four-day event where it was one of the coolest things. I got to see all my friends from different parts of my lives, like, hanging out. And interacting with strangers that never met each other become best friends, you know, in a matter of a couple of days because you, you kind of gravitate towards very similar people. Sure, so sure. that to me was the best part. It's just seeing this merging of uh, cultures, you know, Puerto Rican and African American, and then you know, I have a, I'm a collective. I don't, I don't, I I befriend everybody. I don't care, you know, who you are, where you come from. So it's just wide range of friends there. It was, it was nuts to see.
1: That's what I tell everybody, like young people who are in relationships thinking about getting married. I, they always ask how we did it. I tell them, look, don't, don't spend money on the wedding. Have a party. Like if you're going to throw some cash around, just throw a big party and invite everybody like all the pomp and circumstance and all the stuff. You're not even going to have fun. Like You're not even going to enjoy it. it ask anybody not. who's been through the wedding. Nobody enjoys that crap. Or you can You don't it's even stupid. eat. You don't even eat. It's all pictures and sweating. Like it's not, it's not fun.
2: The most frustrating part for me was people drove flew to see me and I might have got to talk to them for 5 minutes, right? Yeah, the man, first I, time I got in that me wrong. was the most frustrating part.
1: I've been to a lot of weddings. They're great. It's magical. But I definitely enjoyed those weddings more than the people who had to front the cash and organize the whole thing cuz nobody wants to pay for a wedding planner, right? Cuz that's another however many grand on top, right? So they they do Let's it be themselves. Let's be honest. The wedding is boring.
2: The reception is the fun part.
1: That is it. Man. It's 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 this whole stressful thing, man. And you can just shout shout into the from the rooftops all you want. People are still gonna do it because tradition or whatever. But
2: because tradition,
1: your money. What if you do what you what want? If,
2: I yeah. You know, if yeah, I should go back and do an analysis. I think my first wedding I spent five thousand dollars. Right? It was probably like. Eight thousand, nine thousand. Yeah. Can I just put that in the stock market? You know what would it be <laughs> right now?
1: <laughs> Who was it? Uh, I think I think it's in the bu- the book that I was telling you about. I think he he says it to his kid. It's either that book or another book that I read. where he's like, look, you're gonna spend this on your wedding. Let's math it out. Just put that money in the stock market. And it, I, don't get me wrong. I get it. If you want to do something for your parents or whatever, have a little ceremony. But God, this, the the money that I've seen spent. On weddings, I think the top is like sixty. I've been to a sixty thousand dollar wedding. Oh yeah, I've been to
2: stuff like it. it it's Crazy. just this tax. Like the photographers charge more just because it's a wedding. The kids well, people yeah. charge. It's just marriage tax. Um, you know, and, and again, it just depends on your values. Like if you value that pomp and circumstance, if that's important to you, well then, great. I, I haven't heard anybody that's ever been, you know, excited about after the fact, you know, they would do it very differently. Most people after the fact say they would do things very differently. Um, every
1: single time, every single yeah. time you talk to somebody who's been through a wedding recently, they'll tell you, you know, I wish I would have done this or that differently. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Right. It's a big stressful thing. Of course you want to do something differently, but usually it's, it's like, a I can't, I can't believe what this cost me.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah. It's a question for you. If you can go back and tell your younger self two things one about finances and two about what we discussed earlier uh your worldview regarding you know cultures and race what would you tell yourself
1: if i could go back and i'm talking getting the way way back machine and go back to like pre-college when 15
2: 16 yeah
1: yeah when we were talking about funding college I would have learned and paid more attention to my options and I got out cheap relative to other people that went through the aviation career path. I got out Mm -hmm. cheap, but I would have told myself consider your options because what you're about to do is shitty. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's what I, that's one thing I would have told myself. Um, As far as the worldview thing, I think I always knew I was wrong, but everyone else else in my life system just kinda echoed that that um, environment back at me, so it's just I don't even know if I would have listened, you know. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I would what I could have told myself.
2: You know the scary it, part now is what are we doing that our kids are gonna be ashamed of us? Are oh not God. doing.
1: I'm not know. saying. I know I still have my biases. I, I I am constantly trying. I am a white man from the south, and I am trying <laughs> like, and this is the best I can do. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to be quote woke as I possibly can to understand social issues, right? Um, but I I am sure I am just doing a bunch of cringy stuff still in my private life that my kids probably gonna see and just roll their eyes at, you know.
2: I, I watched. I don't remember Eddie Murphy raw. I'm delirious. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it in a long I time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I cried, and I would always quote it. And I, want, I turned it on when I was having, we were playing Cards Against Humanity or something. And I was listening to it, and I, I just cut it off. I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I can't it's believe. I it is bad, I used man. to laugh. I can't believe I used to continue to tell that Mr. T joke, you know? And like, wow, that's really – Messed up, Eddie, you know, and
1: hey, it was the time, right? I know, I know it's easy to say it was the time, it doesn't make any okay, right? But I'm just saying that's that's how well, you evolve. you know, that's the thing.
2: People say that, oh, that was those are the times. I'm like, you know, there were people that opposed slavery, they're, they're called Quakers. Like, it wasn't like there's a new concept that slavery was bad and racism is bad, and it's like a new thing from the 60s. Like, there were abolitionists, you know, and that, and in the yeah. 80s, there were people that were talking about gay rights and mm-hmm. discrimination and also yeah. like to me the information was there. I just chose not to look at it. And same uh, buddy. anyway, it, it's 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 uh it's scary to think about what what am I doing now to perpetuate misogyny or what are my implicit biases, you know, that I have that I'm not even aware about. That's the scary one.
1: I did it for the Vine. <laughs> do it for the do, do it for the gram <laughs> I did it for the gram I
2: don't know man. oh man well, that's pretty cool uh, I think if I went back I had to tell my 15 year old self, um, it would be so this is kind of a crime I had a full athletic scholarship mm-hmm. for undergrad and my masters and PhD probably cost me about $12,000 combined but I still left with student loan debt. Okay. Because all my friends were. This is such a so I'm I'm dumb, I have dumb luck when it comes to finances. Um, I finished college in the early 2000s. All my friends were working for Wells Fargo, selling crappy mortgages, just making money hand over fist, or they were flipping houses, just crushing it in the market. And so we would go out, and here I am, make a poor graduate student making $12,000 a year. Like, I literally, my paycheck was 1000 a month. I was living in, like, Section 8 housing. Like, it was tough. What year, were, what on year food was staffs. this? 2005.
1: five. Oh five. Okay, so it's on the horizon, yeah.
2: Yeah, and then oh8 happens. Well, I was trying to keep, not trying to keep up. I just wanted to go hang. They were like, we going to Vegas. You know, so, like, I actually took loans out to live and enjoy life. And yeah. There's parts of it that I'm like, you know, that was worth. That was worth the five percent interest I paid on that. You know, trip to Vegas. That was amazing. But um, I saw these people lose their asses, man. And I finished college, graduate school in 2010 when everything was bottoming out, and that's when I started buying in the housing market. That's when I started buying in the stock market. So, mm-hmm. like, it's easy for me to say, you know, I'm make- big. I made responsible financial decisions. You look at me. When in fact, dumb luck, I moved to the hottest, one of the hottest real estate markets in Colorado in 2012. I didn't, you know, I didn't move there because of that. It just happened to occur. Um, And it's more uh, my circumstances, not my individual merit, is why I've been been lucky with the stock market and with homes. Not because I'm some genius, because I could easily invested in 05 and then been recovering, and <laughs> you know, the early 2010 to 2013, 15, 14, 15, and missed that period. Sure, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ask ask anybody who's successful, wh- who you perceive as successful, they'll tell you ah, I just got lucky. Don't get me wrong; the harder you work, the luckier you get. But there, there definitely is a luck element, and there is absolutely a, a privilege element there um, a lot of the time. You know what I mean? But um yeah, I I wish I wish I would have had yeah. the education.
2: Uh, the financial
1: too. the financial literacy, but hey, I'm doing what I can now, right? I'm at a job, making good money, doesn't look like I'm gonna be furloughed, so that's nice.
2: That's good news. Yeah. I got a <laughs> question though. In, in aviation school, do they uh, teach you how to do that thing like I'm your captain uh, Today we got a strong headwind. Uh, Giggity, uh, it's actually, it's actually it's actually part of the interview
1: if you if, okay, if you can't okay. if you can't do that you don't get the job it's just as simple as what, that. what is that
2: about what do you mean that uh, thing uh,
1: it's 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 literally so <laughs> when we're <laughs> we, well i i'm in the right seat i'm typically not the one making the pa unless um, the boss is out, out doing something else but they, they're literally sitting there flipping through paperwork and they're holding a button on <laughs> on a on a handheld microphone or Sorry, a phone, right? Can, <coughs> I keep going. Okay,
2: so you say oh, no. they're sitting there. They, with they the got him.
1: They got them. The COVID got them. No but, um, <coughs> no, but they're they're sitting there holding like a phone that's got a button on it, typically, or like a little microphone. And instead of like. Releasing the button, hitting the button, releasing the button, hitting the button. They're just like trying to fill that silence while they flip through paperwork or flip through an iPad to look at weather or flight time or like all this other <laughs> stuff. So that's just literally just filling a void. And I, I don't think I don't think they know that they're doing it because a, a lot of them just don't, right? That that uh thing. But do you, I don't <laughs> think I, don't, I really don't think they know they're
2: doing it. You know. I just feel like there's like a very simple app that could just populate everything and make a script. And then oh now, yeah.
1: Now, you know, you pull up the iPad and you just click on tap the airport that you're going through. It'll have the whole weather uh, forecast laid out for you and all that stuff. Like it's it's pretty, pretty neat now. Like when I first, first got on um, the tablets and the iPads weren't ubiquitous, right? You were still using paper charts. And that was oof, that was not that was not fun, but uh, now it's just all so simple and fast, it's on the iPad. Which is cool. Wow. Yeah.
2: I always think Eddie. about um you when they talk about bad apples and um somebody makes up you know, cops, there's just a few bad apples, right? And like how would you feel about pilots? You know, and I always think about like, What is Zach doing to <laughs> 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 I can't believe he has a pilot's license now. Let's say that You know, but just I can imagine you just like coming across a shitty pilot and just letting them have it. You know, bro. I just can, I can there, see it. Like
1: there is stuff I'm not gonna say on yeah. this podcast. We can talk about it later. But there's, there's, there's some stuff that is out there. Yeah, that's you know whatever.
2: No, but yeah. I mean I'm sure you just. That's one of those moments where you lose your shit, right? Because oh you, know, I mean, you take your profession seriously. You take safety seriously. Of you course design. you
1: do. I, don't, don't get me wrong. You, you, take, you take the job seriously. You take safety seriously, obviously, but you can't take yourself seriously. I can't tell you how oh, much yeah. it bothers most people in this profession when someone is just so tightly wound. Like, we are not special we don't like we don't consider ourselves special despite the despite the stereotype you know how do you know a pilot's in the room he'll tell you no i'm but i mean like nobody takes it like super seriously like okay most everybody is laid back everybody's nice everybody takes it easy but every now and then someone is just wrapped way too tightly around the axle takes it way too seriously like okay all right come on like when somebody calls himself an avator i'm like okay all right, okay, let's, okay. let's settle had, down. Got the glasses
2: and the, the bomber yeah, jacket too.
1: Let's settle down, Chuck Yeager. Okay, you, <laughs> you fly in the oh, man, mess. I,
2: yeah. I was saw a documentary on how tough it is for like beginning pilots and oh, those sucks. crash pads. You know, and oh, it, it sucks, man. It's not fun. How long was that grind for you?
1: Uh, I rode the wave pretty fast, so I did two years down there instructing. I guess I did probably a year flying freight in these little crappy airplanes at this crappy company. Then I did two years as a regional um, airline pilot. And then I, I got to where I am now, um, which isn't like the legacy level, right? I'm at like the low cost carrier level. Thank God, because the legacies are looking at our hurting as far as a um, pilot for a mm-hmm. go. So I, I wound up in a real sweet spot, but um, that was, God, so what does that math out do? Two, four, five five years to get to this job, and I've been here probably four years, I'm thinking, but there were people prior to me who had been at the regional level, Um and that's, like, the hard shit, you know, the crash pad stuff. They had been there, like, you know, five, six, eight years, ten years before they get mm. to move out, you know, because they got in, and then, oh, it happened, and then everything came to a halt. No more hiring. It, You know, the economy just fell to pieces. Nobody was flying. But, you know, I, I, I rode the wave pretty sweetly you know I, I had a pretty good run i really can't complain overall now i, I think back to sitting on the ramp in lubbock texas at you know two in the morning freezing my butt off waiting for the big ups jet to come in so i can fly my little feeder across texas that you know it sucked it really did suck but hmm. you know i'm here now it's it's fine you know when you're what young you're, you're invincible
2: what differentiates like pilots who <laughs> What are the skills of the pilots that move up versus the ones that kind of just stay at that regional level?
1: Oh, there's really—I don't think there's any real skill differential. Every really? airplane, every airplane's different, and you know, you've been doing the job long enough. I mean, you're at the regional level. I mean, you could be flying one of the new Embryers. It's so automated, even more automated than the Airbuses. we're flying at the low-cost carrier level. You know, so I mean, it's—it's it's not like a—it's not like a skill level thing. Like there were, there were when I was at. Uh, my regional carrier there were people getting hired who had been there like two three years and had like a couple thousand hours yet captains who had been there 10 years that had thousands of hours couldn't get hired so who's got the more skill like nobody knew what the magic formula was to get on with a legacy mm-hmm. carrier because that was the goal nobody knew like how many job fairs you had to go to how many meet and greets you had to go to like nobody knew like what what was working so it, it, it's not a skill differential at all when i was flying freight and those crappy little airplanes that's probably the sharpest I've ever been when I was a flight instructor that was probably the sharpest I've ever been you could hand fly you know blindfolded almost because you had to be on your stuff because you know mm-hmm. you die um, if you're not but I mean it, at this level every, everything's so automated don't get me wrong you got to be you got to be on it but it's it's a way less uh, percent of the time as opposed to back then. So, I mean, you want, you want somebody that's going to come on and be able to be sharp, pull somebody out of the cargo world who flies on the ice at night, you know, with no automation. That's, that's, that's somebody yeah. who's on it, you know?
2: I think you should just crop dust. That, that'd be more fitting.
1: <laughs> fly those, <laughs> fly around the power lines. Nah, I'm, I'm good. I got, I, I got the easiest job in the world, man. It's, I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Is
2: it a, do you get enough time with your family?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah.
2: Good. At, the, at this you, particular... You got way. weird times out, right? Like, you guys get timed out, and the oh, no, union no, no. does a pretty good job in giving you...
1: Oh, yeah, uh, unions Unions off. are definitely important in the airline world, but um, I, I'm, I'm actually not on the road at this company. Huh. So it's just like, you go out, you do your thing, you come back. <laughs>
2: Even yeah, better, dude.
1: It's like, it's like having an office job, but you get to fly airplanes. It's, it's, it's pretty sweet. I really I really can't complain, man. It's, it's oh, really man, so you're
2: gig. in and out back home.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really sweet gig, you know. You wow. know, I, I, I say I wasn't going to mention company names, but anybody in aviation is going to figure out who, who I'm with now.
2: Oh, no, they're going to find you.
1: Oh, man, yeah. I man. heard your podcast, you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you smoke your ribs at
2: 300, you son of a bitch. You <laughs> son of a bitch. No, that's, that's uh, blasphemy. It's un-American. Un- <laughs> I love that one un American. Wait yeah. wait a minute.
1: Yeah, how come <laughs> made how up come the rules? Yeah, how come cons- conservatives hijack patriotism? I don't understand.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm it's it, it's funny cuz I'm I'm this weird moderate and nobody ever agrees with me. You know, I'm a fiscally I'm conservative and from you know, socially I'm liberal. I don't want to say like ultra-conservative fiscally. i just like, I think we should have a balanced budget. You know, just things like that. Um,
1: Yeah, I I feel that way too. Yeah, Yeah,
2: I I, I think... Yeah, it it is frustrating because a lot of people don't understand budget. Um, Working for the federal government, you become very intimate with budget. And if people understood how much we spent on Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and defense spending, they wouldn't be worried about cutting... You know, I don't know, the EPA's budget. Like it's a rounding era. I worked for an agency that was in charge of conservation for over 500 something areas across the globe. And their budget was the same as the military's band. You know, the people that like to play the horns when the president gets off the plane. Yeah, yeah. Same budget as over, you know, hundreds of millions of acres of man- in management. It's just it's ridiculous um yes yeah, and, and people don't understand it and then it's like the crisis somehow hijacked it to where like if you say we well, should probably get defense spending you're un-american safety you know blah 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 uh, whatever yeah it's like uh, how, just... how much safer are we i don't know i would just
1: like to see teachers and nurses make more that'd be nice um
2: Police. I, I would love to see prof- our police professionalized. Um,
1: make yeah, make it a job worth having and striving to be better at. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I know, and this is this is anecdotal, and I'm sorry. This is probably going to rub people the wrong way. I know people growing up that became cops. I know the yeah. caliber of person that's being taken into police forces in 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 small towns across the country. It's just no. Nah. It, it, it's it, they're not getting paid enough. They're not, you know, maybe that's no. why not enough people. I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm, I'm oh, speaking federal... I'm speaking out of my wheelhouse. I've got friends in law enforcement, ex-law enforcement, ex-military. I am sure I am way out of my depth. It's just, I don't know.
2: No, no doubt. I mean, like that's the thing. People make it this either or thing rather than this nuance. If you talk to any like level-headed officer, um, I have a lot of friends that are in law enforcement. Um, most of them are federal agents, which there is a very different caliper of recruit, typically, you know, for federal agents versus um, uh, local PD somewhere else. But they they don't like bad cop. They don't like those. They they all know those dirt bags. You know, they mm-hmm. they they're just as disgusted by a lot of things. They're just not. It's not safe to say anything because of that fraternal nature of the police. But it's it's not. I safe. do think it,
1: it, it's not. You know, I don't. I don't. Understand how we should pay them more.
2: That. Yeah, we we are asking them to we're asking them too much. We're asking them to be you know healthcare providers, and it's just not right. And I, I think we should be getting people that um are getting certain levels of education that are uh, have understandings about things like implicit bias or um, mental health. And it's not to say that you need a college degree, but I, I do think uh, we sh- Like you said, I have a couple friends. I went to grad school with this guy who, in my face, acted like he was, you know, all about Keenan. And when um, oh, one of the girls in our class was a white girl, had a crush on me, he started lecturing her about black men. And she told me about this. And this guy has a master's degree um, and is a police officer. And so, like, wow, you know, even on that, like, this guy is educated Squared away, acted like my friend, but was a piece of racist piece of shit that didn't like white women dating black men. Yeah,
1: it's a control thing.
2: Yeah, I'll say, like, are you racist? Do you mind if people date outside their race? Well, 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 what about <laughs> the kids? And I'm always like, I look at me, I well, don't look at me, I didn't turn out okay, but in general, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Kids would. <with them. laughs> my my mother's um from Europe, uh, but, it, it, it so this is another example, right? So my mother from Europe, my dad's African American. If I said I'm Danish, nobody would believe me. Not one person. I'm just as Danish genetically as I am African American, but nobody would accept the fact that I'm Danish, nor will they accept the fact that I'm. You're right. If I say I'm Caucasian, they be like, no, you're not, alright just that in itself. I mean, it, it, people say, you don't look Danish. Like, well, what does a Dane look like? You know, yeah. and, and <laughs>
1: Nobody over here is going to know. You, you ever go over there to that part of yeah. the world and visit and hop uh, around uh, every, over Europe and stuff?
2: Every three mm-hmm. or four years I was going. My grandmother was sick. I would go as much as I could. Yeah, no, I would, I would go. Um, I love it. I love it there. Um, it's interesting because we know all the time you about Denmark when, when a lot of the very liberal people are talking about social. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And socialism or de- democratic socialism, um, which again, like, I wish we could have that nuanced conversation. Like, You're a socialist rather than like a democratic socialism, which is very different. Um,
1: well, so you are know. you once you turn 62.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't cut my social security. Um, but. They still have problems, it, but the, you, you can climb the social ladder, like, much easier there than you can in the United States. They joke and say, if you want to live the American dream, move to Denmark. Um, but I had family members just say some mean shit about immigrants, you know, and how they're living off the system. And, and, and it's interesting because I got family in the countryside and I have family in the city. And uh, there's still that dynamic tension. And there always will be of oh, this us and them, and, and people paying into something, and not wanting people to live off that system. That's mm-hmm. gonna be a problem everywhere. And mm-hmm. and so there, there's still, it isn't this utopia. Um, but I do, I must, and me and my cousin and I, we we actually compared pay stubs, and he paid way more taxes. But when we added up my student loan and my medical and we got something else, we were paying. We were getting exactly the same amount of money take-home pay. So really, you know, it's a wash. Yeah, it's a wash. Like think about it. Your medical, medical and student loan, right? That could be anywhere from what three, four hundred to a thousand a month.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah, that that's a lot of money. So say you make. Say so you make $100,000 and that you're paying 1000 that's $12,000, right? Roughly 10% of your income and you're paying a 30% income bracket and there they're paying 40 something that's about the same 10%, the same. you know?
1: Me and the wife, uh, we, we mathed it out because we were-, we were having the discussion about the uh, universal healthcare uh, that uh, Bernie was proposing. I think it was 3% tax across the board and um, I actually came out ahead. I mean, if you mathed out like what I was paying monthly uh, for a family... And if you just assume you're going to use your out of pocket, right? So I was, I would come in like a couple thousand dollars under on a three percent tax. Hmm. You
2: know, so I, 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 I struggle with that, man. I, I don't want, I don't think the government should be in a business of being in business. <laughs> huh. I, I, you know, I just as somebody works with federal government, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, we had a a good healthcare system in the 70s when it was non-profit. And I think there's another model that we should be talking about, you know, a non-profit. Should we be profiting off the sick people, right? I think that's a fundamental question we should ask ourselves as a society. Do we want to profit off of people being sick? Because what kind of incentives does that create then, right? And maybe we should look at a non-profit model that we had before. You know, was anything wrong with it? You know, what was wrong with it and how could we fix it? But like do I want the government running my health care? Like I oversee a permitting system and and I've seen other permitting systems and it's ugh, bureaucracy, man. Like I swear I think there's somebody in the federal government that says how can we make this as difficult as if impossible and let's do it that way. You know?
1: I don't know. I, it, I don't I don't know of any other way I would prefer it. You know what I mean? I, no. I I hear what you're saying, but I don't I, I don't. Admittedly, I don't know anything about what our system was in the 70s. I just don't. But to me, on its face, the other option is definitely superior to the one that we got because the amount of money that's being made off of people dying is just yeah. – it, it, it's
2: disgusting. Well, it's, I grew up with socialized medicine. I was a military brat. I had socialized medicine. It was paid for by the government, ran by the government, right? But there were times where I had to wait. In college, <laughs> I guess this would be solved, but in college, I was thrown up before every practice or during the beginning of practice. It took mm-hmm. me three months to get an appointment. Sure. <laughs> that's because they didn't take the insurance. So like, I think if you were... Yeah, that's, if,
1: that, that's the thing, isn't it? People would say, well, you won't get a choice. You don't have a choice now. If you, if you have a cancer of, of a certain type and you want to go see the best specialist in the world, the first thing you're going to do is call your insurance company. You don't have a choice. Your insurance company picks for you. And if if, if the insurance company doesn't accept that doctor, well, then I guess you just set up a GoFundMe. Like, you don't have the choice. You don't have freedom now. So I don't, I don't understand the argument of, well, if we have socialized medicine or anything like that, you just won't have a choice. Well, you don't have a choice now. You don't. You don't. I got I, I got happening. I got into I got into a car accident when I was down there in Melbourne and they took me to a doctor that an ER, is an ER visit. I didn't have a choice of where they took me and that doctor wasn't in my network. How is that a choice?
2: <laughs> you that. can write
1: you can write a handwritten letter because you can't type it up. You have to handwrite a letter to your insurance company. No kidding. That's how restrictive they make it to for this process. You have to handwrite a letter and appeal it and they just say, oh, sorry. It is what it is."
2: So I had back surgery a couple years ago. And during the surgery, an assistant came to help my doctor who was not my network. I didn't give consent for this. Nothing. And I got billed $12,000. Yeah. And and here's the thing. In Colorado, it's illegal to gap It's called gap billing. And I actually understood my rights. So they, they keep sending you bills making you think you owe the money when, in fact, you can just not pay it. Oh, all the time. Uh, we, we finally settled it, but you know, it was just one of those things. Like, hey, I, I was knocked out. Like, I didn't consent to this. Why? Why do you? You know? Why do you think that was okay?
1: Yeah, they. It's it's so jacked up now. You'll be getting bills after the fact, for months after the fact, and you're telling it, it, nobody can tell me that being privatized is more efficient than being run by a government agency because you'll get bills for a procedure you had done a year ago that you've already paid. That happens. Always, that happened to us down here. When well, we had our daughter, yeah. we're still getting bills like a year later. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> so but, no, it, it, I can't be convinced that it's more efficient. I just can't.
2: Oh, no. I, I, just the fact that you can't say how much a childbirth is going to cost,
1: right? Yeah, that's just why people go to different pricing, countries to
2: have kids. I, I think we should work on pricing, too, right? Or, you know, again, I'm talking way out of my, I don't know, crap about healthcare, right? But yeah. to me, like on the it. surface, I yeah. think we should Think about, like, a, an MRI should cost within this range. Yeah. Should, yeah.
1: It's, I I only know my experience, and it's just – what we got now is just jacked. It's the most ineffective, expensive, inefficient crap, and it's – we can do so much better, you know. And it's, it's because there's just so much money to be made, you know.
2: Well, that's because we want to put our money in index funds and see it grow. Um, yeah. profit you know when everything's profit driven it it, it uh, creates other problems right yeah uh, everything um, but hopefully everything. we transition you know the one thing that concerns me is we're developed a system based upon non-renewable resources and you know hopefully we can start switching so for example is technology and knowledge you know, that, that's a renewable resource, it's not detracting from the earth as much, right, as say oil or
0: mm-hmm.
2: mining. Um, so you know, hopefully we as a society can start thinking about ways to monetize certain things and, and, and develop markets off, off of that, which is gonna be much more sustainable. And yeah, it really blew my mind. I don't know if you got if you looked into Bitcoin at all. And I was having such a hard time. How can that be worth money? Or these other type of cryptocurrencies that all you know brand it off of it you know if people just looked at your webpage, you would get paid a token. I'm like, yeah, how yeah. is that worth money? And it's just really this consent of two people just need to consent that this one thing is worth something. Uh, was, <laughs> why is money is. worth
1: money? Ever since we came off the gold standard, <laughs> you just print more of it, right? Is it really worth anything? Uh, I don't know.
2: That's the thing. Like the person is, I was asked talking to one of these crypto bros about it, and they're like, "Yeah, they just kept bringing up the American money dollar system." I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's weird. It is a weird concept. We just,
1: we just universally agree that this is, this is worth that, and it's worth this many of that. Yeah, nah, I don't know. Anyway, life's weird, man. Well, now that we yeah talk about all this heavy shit, getting sad. <laughs> Reading good books, any good movies
2: lately? Your money, your life. Have you read that
1: one? Uh, yes, I think I have. Who wrote that one?
2: I got this weird thing. I can't remember authors.
1: Yeah, Hang on, I uh, got. A, if only I had a device in front of me with all the world's. knowledge. Yeah.
2: Oh, but that was a book uh, from
1: way back in the 70s. Um. Yeah, they. What was her, her? and her husband. Um. Yeah, he
2: passed away.
1: Yeah. What is her name? Joseph Vicky, Vicky uh, Robin. Was
2: yeah, her name is Vicky, Vicky Robin. Robin.
1: I have not read this did. one. It's on my it's list,
2: It's a good one. Um, yeah. No, I, I've been I've been doing a lot of reading for my job, just trying to educate myself. Um, the, the cool thing about the federal government, you can change jobs every year and a half, two years, three years, and so like a different part. focus. Yeah, so or a different landscape. So you know, I I was in Florida and. Than with Colorado, those are very different ecosystems, and so just learning. I'm more doing a lot of uh, ecology learning, and right now I'm you know learning a lot about tropical rainforest and tropical ecology. So, like, a lot of it's just boring. Yeah, not boring to me, but for most people, just boring technical studies. But um, just really educating myself on that. I before a kid, I had a thing where. Wherever I lived, I try to do the, whatever it's there. So, like, when I was in Florida, I was learning salsa dancing and surfing. Mm-hmm. And in Colorado, I was mountain biking and brewing beer. Um, and now in Puerto Rico, I'm learn, you know, learning Spanish. But uh, So, I, I just try to be a renaissance man. Um trying to be proficient at a lot of things. Not that I'm being an expert at any one thing, but just to be able to go catch a wave or ride a mountain bike or speak a different language. And those are the type of things I try to do to keep myself sharp. Because uh, I, I can sit it. in front of YouTube all day and Netflix too and just veg out. But I feel better when I listen to a podcast or learn something new.
1: Yeah, I, I get... With this podcast, I do I do this podcast as like a hobby, right? We don't have advertisers. I don't, I don't make money on this, right? But I get super up and down with like motivation. I get, I get more motivated when I listen to more podcasts. So I, I take in a lot, a lot of podcasts. I do. And
2: I got, what I got podcasts. Hmm? What podcast do you
1: listen to? Oh God. I, I subscribe to so damn many. Um, if you like, if you pick a category, there's a lot of um, financial independence or personal fi- uh, finance podcast or real estate investing podcasts. I get into like the dumb funny ones like comedy I listen to like a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. <laughs> That's like a D and D role playing. I do, like religiously. I look forward to Thursdays when those episodes drop. Um I look I played like Dungeons and Dragons growing up? No, no, I never did. I actually this is like something I got into like later, but um it's like I it, it's a real, real shotgun approach, everything I subscribe to. And I subscribe to like the big names like Tim Ferris, um mm-hmm. I'm like fifty percent on him. He'll go on for we've been going for like an hour, twenty five minutes. He'll go on for like hours if he wants to. Joe Rogan. I'm like eh, fifty fifty on Joe Rogan. But every now and then he'll have somebody on there, um, some stand up comedians. Uh, I follow stand up. I I, 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 I um, listen to some of theirs uh, podcast. Um, God, it's it's so much. It, it gives me. You listen to S Town? Oh yeah, repeatedly. I listen to that one probably once or twice a year.
2: Oh my God, it's the
1: best. Oh, it's my it's one of my favorite things. It's I recommend that one all the time.
2: I could not stop. Have you listened to This Land?
1: This Land? No, I don't know that one. What's that? Really
2: good. Um, it's about well, uh, Native American rights. Uh, it starts with a murder case that um, pretty much, long story short, is a big Supreme Court decision now that, well, that just occurred. And it really has implications for Native American rights and treaty rights. But it's just a fascinating story that you would never have been told in school, you know.
1: It's not popping up when I search it. Oh, here it is. Crooked Media did it?
2: Yep. Yep, okay. Pretty this. good one. Um,
1: yeah, Crooked Media. I I uh, subscribe to it. Feather Heist? Um,
2: no, not, not, I don't know that one either. The so Feather Heist is hilarious. <laughs> um, God, and there was another one I can't remember about this guy that tracked down the person who was trying to scam him in India. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's amazing. It's a story with this guy, like you know, got um, he was getting scammed. Or the guy was trying to scam him. You know those email scams where you like, click on the link and they try to so say you have you have malware and you know they. Oh
1: yeah yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Anyway, who did uh, it was who,
1: who did the feather heist? Was it This American Life? Serial?
2: Yeah. One of the two. One of the two. All right. That was good because it was about um. It sounds boring about fly fishing uh, time, but these people like broke in a museum and stole these very rare feathers. And anyway, it's just very fascinating heist.
1: <laughs> what a thing! What a thing to heist feathers from a fly <laughs> fly fishing. Dude,
2: they like it's crazy.
1: Um, All right, I'll check that one. That'll give me something to listen but those to. Those are me. more
2: just like stories, good for a yeah, road yeah. trip. Yeah, yeah, they're fun. Yeah.
1: Like, like I said, um, I, I listen to S-Town probably twice a year. I'll get done with like a late night of flying, and I'll put that on. And that just kind of winds me down, because I've listened to that ten times probably.
2: It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, reply All.
1: Oh, yeah, I know Reply All. That's Gimlet Media.
2: Scam Bates. Uh, no, it's a uh, d- 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 Long Distance. I don't know. Uh, What was another one? Oh, Everybody Lies. That book was fascinating. Haven't read that one. Okay. So the premise is you can look at Google searches in real time. So, for example, they were looking at what was being Googled after Obama gave a speech, right, to the minute, sometimes Mm -hmm. a second. And essentially what they're saying is that what you Google – is really what you're feeling and thinking, not what you say. There's a thing called social desirability bias. So that's like how polling in Trump didn't pick up; people didn't want to admit that they were voting for Trump when, in fact, they were. Like it's part of a social desirability bias. Okay. So, um, on average, I think don't, I don't don't it's not specific, but like for example, you know, five percent of the population is gay homosexual. Okay. Something like that, just say like for for argument's sake, right? And and in in Mississippi, only like three percent of men or two percent of men will admit that they're gay on a survey, but five percent of the men search for gay porn, and and so you can like start picking up on people what they're uh, they they talk about pornography and like different fetishes. Like in the United States, people are like a lot of really into incest, which is so weird, you know. And to me, like
1: yeah, stepsister. sister,
2: that. I don't get that. It's so weird, but apparently it's a thing. And to
1: each, th- I'm not here to kink shame anybody. To each their own. But no, I don't get. A I don't
2: kink get. <laughs>
0: yes
2: yeah. to kink shame. Um, <laughs> you know, like, but I think it's like breast milk is a thing in another country. Um, but anyways, this is fascinating. Like men are really concerned about their penis size women are very concerned about their feminine hygiene smells. And it's just, it's fascinating to see what people are Googling. But the cool thing was Obama gave a speech about Islamophobia, and it actually showed it had a backfiring effect that you could um, see that people, when he he was always lecturing people, and then he gave another speech where he just uh, humanized a Muslim-American and the Google searches were completely different. And so it, you can see in real time when somebody gives a speech what happens in Google right after or during, just kind of get a good reaction. And the one thing that really got me was the best predictor of like elections past election were the N-word jokes. how where were people met? googling racist jokes was the like best indicator of who voted for Trump. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> which. That's the barometer, huh?
2: Correlation and causation, right? But I mean, you know, it's it's not saying that it caused it, but like it was a good indicator. Wow, Um, wow. Like a lot of people say, Trump made people racist. No, no, he can't. No, people are already racist. He just just made made it okay to be.
1: Yeah, he just made it okay to be loud about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, things like it is a very fascinating book. I highly recommend it. Um, I'm into like that Malcolm Gladwell type Freakonomics. What's it um, called?
1: Why, everybody, everybody lies. lies okay i gotta don't ask you. me
2: an author because i can't remember no
1: no um, I'll, I'll forget it if i don't text it to myself here uh, uh i just uh, picked sapiens. up uh, i haven't picked up uh, sapiens what's that one <sighs>
2: another good one yeah hang on here um talks about human evolution as a species and there's a big misconception about evolution everybody like thinks yeah. it's like we're this linear thing that when there's an ape and then it came us so and like you know it, rather than a they think of it a line rather than a branch right and at one point in time there were other human species living on the earth with our species sapiens I feel like I knew that the hypothesis one of the hypotheses is we were genocidal maniacs that pretty much killed them off which oh. explains a lot about humanity um yeah, no, it, it talks about that in the fam, uh, Neanderthal DNA, and we were interbreeding with them. And anyway,
1: I've tri- I tried. I tried uh, some of the social sciences. I, I picked up uh, Guns and Germs and Steel. Good one. Yeah, I tried. Finish it. I, no, I. Could, I don't know why. I, I. I'm a. I'm a real good starter on books, but <laughs> when it comes to finishing them, uh, like I, I picked up a uh, Ezra Klein's Why We're Polarized. Got most mm-hmm. of the way, I pretty much finished that one. I'll say I finished that one because I got most of the way through that one. That, that was a good one. Um, it explains to us why we think the way we do in terms of political science and stuff like that. Um, but what I recently uh, picked back up was something I picked up at an airport years ago. It's uh, 1776 by David McCullough. And if you don't mm-hmm. know him, he's, a, he's an historian and a, and a really, really good writer. He's a very good storyteller. And uh, the reason I picked it up was because I am just way into Hamilton right now and that is just my jam. I listen to it constantly. I've watched it like I don't know how many times, but I remember reading that book and I loved it because it gives you a history lesson that you're just that you, you didn't get growing up you know and mm-hmm. how completely completely to chance everything was and how just it could have totally totally gone the other way. Had it not been for a fog rolling in, literally, like, it's wild how just everything was just up in the
2: air. But for yeah, me. we paint as others there's these geniuses, you know. That oh no, oh, they were flying
1: there. by the seat of their pants. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I just watched Hamilton this
2: weekend. Oh, it's it's like the best for the first thing
1: time. I, it's the best thing I've ever seen.
2: Oh my gosh! I mean, I I knew, but I had no clue. You know, and I was like, wow. I... I this guy was diabolical and, you know, complex. And anyway, um, I hate musicals. I just just don't like them. But that's one I, I, that um, Avenue Q and the Book of Mormon are musicals I can watch.
1: That's the only one I've Um, ever seen Hamilton. I I wanted to see Book of Mormon. I just never did. Um, I'm sure it's probably out there online sometime. Yeah. Or somewhere, but
2: Um, let's see what else.
1: Uh, That's books, movies. I just watched today. I watched a Joker. Uh, for the first time, Ugh, phenomenal. Backing. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it's it's heavy. Don't get me wrong, it's heavy. But um, it's it was I I liked it. You know, I didn't like that they used that song. Um, what's that song they always play in stadiums? Da, 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 hey, that song. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whoever yeah. did that song, that that guy was a pedophile. I don't like hearing that song. I don't know. <laughs> I, that just gets me.
2: Hashtag cancel culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. Like, yeah. is it cool to still play Michael Jackson at a wedding?
1: I don't listen to Michael Jackson anymore. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I can't watch a Tom Cruise movie because of the whole Scientology thing. I can't. I don't know why. It just. It really gets at me. Like, I, R. Kelly. No. No R. Kelly in the bedroom. No. No. <laughs> the, hey, I'm a real meat and potatoes kind of love maker. Like, there's no. <laughs> There's no R. Kelly going on in the park. potatoes. <laughs> Two
2: positions and nothing in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: My my drinking and my sex life are very goal oriented. <laughs>
2: Dude, by the way, you need to get something different than Red Label. I'm judging you on your liquor selection. I'll I like stuff. Red
1: Label. I, I finished my gap, my glass ahead here, but yeah,
2: I, for the price. I like it. I'm like Macallan fifteen all the way, you know.
1: Well yeah, money bags. I'm not trying to <laughs> I think I, I think I go through too much of it to justify fine liquors, I think is my problem. I think if I was uh if I was a more on the other side of uh the lower end of social, you know what I mean? But I keep I keep it at the house, you know.
2: Yeah. I mean I, I have a nice collection, but I, I my brother said to me Man, you know, I know you're not an alcoholic. I was like, I like, I came to your house in a year ago. Like, you had the same bottle there. That's roughly the same amount.
1: Like, yeah. yeah, if I got yeah, something, if neat. I got something, if I got something worth having, like if I got a bottle of Johnny Blue for whatever circumstance, you, got, I'm gonna tell myself it's for special occasions. But I know, good damn and well, I'm gonna have a burrito and start craving that Johnny Blue, and <laughs> it's just, it's just not gonna <laughs> last, man. It's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, it's and, not, No, it's I not. um, I was I, I, talk about there's a certain level where once you start making money, it, your happiness doesn't change. No, that, and, that's uh, been that's been measured. Yeah, I, all I say is after like seventy, eighty thousand dollars, the only thing that changes is my cigars and my scotch is older. That's it. Yeah, and, I don't know. I I no tried longer. to
1: figure out what to do with it. Yeah, I try to figure out how to most effectively, because, you, you, you know, you work really hard, you go through all this shit to get to where you are, and you're like, okay, now what do I do with it? You know, I grew up middle working class, you know, I don't know what to do with that, you know? So that's that's why yeah. I started learning, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah and I, I just didn't want to, I wanted to create generational wealth, so.
1: Yeah, that's my the thing, too. Worries I
2: had, you know, my daughters and I had my words, so. Yeah um no 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 it, it just is interesting you know and i'm not rich by any means um but uh it's just just after a certain level of my money prison i may go to a restaurant and not worry about the price of food i may book nicer hotels or airbnbs but that's about it like my life isn't mine you know monumentally better i may have less worries i mean can recover from a speeding ticket or a ten thousand dollar medical bill or something, I can recover quicker, but my happiness isn't changed at all.
1: Yeah. I think I think that's definitely true for me too. My happiness didn't didn't really change. My stress level kinda went down. And I kinda got to move yeah. up that um the hierarchy of needs a little bit, you know, but mm-hmm. um Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Self
2: actualization. Yeah. Oh, Create a no, podcast.
1: No, yeah, nowhere, <laughs> nowhere near self actualization. Come on, you're talking to a guy who wears cowboy boots and a tank top, uh, unironically. Like that's just how I dress. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wear board shorts, like flower board shorts.
1: Yeah, I wear uh, tanks every day. It's hot down here, man. You know, it's hot down there. Yeah,
2: yeah. Are you are you in the same state we met? Florida. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I I'm
1: okay. over in um I'm over in Tampa. Okay. Yeah, Tampa That's Bay. A little
2: area. nicer. A little nicer oh, I'm on now. the
1: other side of the bay. Silver. It's it's a little town north of Clearwater that nobody's ever heard of, but it's uh it's nice here. Yeah. Nice. No, it's
2: good to know. Um, I, we plan on doing a Florida trip. So. But I'll
1: let Well, you know if you, um, whenever um, we're not in a pandemic and we're it was like and it's like the before times. If you ever get up to Disney, we want Disney to be the thing with um, our daughter because we don't have to get on a plane to go there. You know so. Definitely organize a uh, organize a meetup up there for sure.
2: Yeah, and I have a bunch of friends that are our age with kids roughly the same age. Yeah, that yeah. I've been meaning That'll to. Um, we, have, we have had kids kind of late? Um, what you, what year did you finish high school?
1: Oh, oh God, uh, oh six.
2: Okay, you're a little younger than I am. So. Um. Yeah. No. I... I, I I don't my kid was she was I can't remember how old I am right now, honestly. but um I was thirty six.
1: Yeah, I'm and thirty. Hold on, I'm thirty two. My wife's 38, 39, somewhere in there.
2: Okay. Yeah, um. So yeah, no, I, 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 I have my kids kind of late, which I'm glad. I'm a much better dad than I am. Oh yeah. Like right oh, yeah. now, I'm like people are texting me like, "Hey, with my daughter," you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. <before.
2: laughs> Just the level of maturity and prioritization is very different. If I was twenty one, I would be. i wouldn't have been a bad dad, but yeah, would have been a very different father.
1: All right, so, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna see man. what happens when I click stop recording. Okay.
2: Yeah. All right.
1: Uh, insert yeah, any material. Yeah. Insert generic podcast outro. There you go.